This episode is brought to you by DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we do this. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Jam-packed show this week. Joining us later on the program, Steve Sansweet. He will be uh, setting us straight about the infamous Biggs Anchorhead scene. We've got listeners emailing us left and right saying, No, no, I saw it. I saw the Biggs Anchorhead scene back in 1977 in the theater. And we got an email from a guy, uh, Gary listener to the program who says, not only did I see the Biggs Anchorhead scene, I saw a lot more than that in a print. So we'll be talking about that. We've got a Billy D quote that you gotta hear. Defending Harrison Ford had a recent appearance and uh, all kinds of exciting things going on, but uh, this is Rebel Force Radio for November, excuse me, October 25th, 2013, and the next time we'll be joining you will be November, so you know what that means. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. (laughs) So this is the Halloween episode of Rebel Force Radio and... uh, Introductions in order. If you are new to the program, of course, my name is Jason. With me, my good friend and yours, the not-so-spooky from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Uh, Not-so-spooky? Well, Jason, you're not in the same room with me right now. (laughs) That's true. I'm not seeing you. We don't have the webcams these days, so I don't know what's going on there in our Chicago annex. Anything could be going on. Anything and anything could happen tonight on Rebel Force Radio. That's right. You got it right here on the most positive and optimistic Star Wars show in the galaxy. And uh, I'm really happy to be sitting down with you this week, Jason, because I just got so much Star Wars to talk about. But I did find another way to release my Star Wars fandom this week. Mm. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Star Wars Influences, a brand new show debuting on uh, the Shot Glass Digital Network with a new co-host, Paul Bateman. That's right. And I mean, not a replacement for you, Jason. Don't think of it that way. No. As a matter of fact, you're more than welcome to sit in on any Star Wars Influences show that we do, if you'd like. If you could tear yourself away from here. Oh, so busy schedule. <laughs> but, you know, well, like, like my one-year-old child. <laughs> well, I, yeah, you know what? It is so true. When your children are that small, you don't control your schedule at all. No, Jimmy, my son is determined to kill himself. I mean, this is the thing. There could be one thing in the house that would cause him enormous physical harm and that's what he's going to be obsessed with and drawn to 
Oh, yeah. You know, power outlets. Oh, yeah. Kid loves them. Kid loves them. (laughs) Electric knives, carving knives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything that's uh, the perfect size to clog his windpipe, that's what he wants. Yeah, like a cigarette lighter. (laughs) That way he kills two birds with one stone. Cigar lighter. So you you, you know the score. So... Uh, but anyway, so you've been able to uh, channel all of your uh, or some of your Star Wars love into a, a brand new series. And this is cool. You guys are taking your time. This is not a, a weekly show, but these are going to come out periodically. And you're looking specifically at the things that informed uh, George and the other creators of Star Wars informed them in uh, in developing this this universe that we take for granted that seems so uh, see, it, it, for a lot of us, Jim, it seems like it's always been there. But you guys are really deconstructing and finding out and, and, and connecting the dots of how it became. That's what it's all about, Jason, is a deconstruction of the resources used by Lucas and friends as they created the Star Wars universe. And me and Paul are going to try to get together once a month and just dig deep beneath the surface and discover what can be taken literally from a resource that inspired Lucas and what is a little bit more subtle. And Paul knows a lot about this stuff. He's going to be bringing up stuff that's not only going to surprise me, but it's going to surprise everyone who listens to the show because he really has been researching this stuff for years and years. So the show is Star Wars Influences. It's going to be part of the Rebel Force Radio feed, so you won't have to go somewhere else to subscribe for it. If you're already subscribing to Rebel Force Radio, then you'll be getting it. And if you're not subscribing to Rebel Force Radio on iTunes, what's the matter with you? Get over there and do that right now. So this first episode, we discuss Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress and its connection to Star Wars A New Hope. And we talk a little bit about some of the things that inspired the environment and characters on the planet Tatooine, and uh, specifically those coming from the book series Dune. And uh, Paul knows a lot about Dune, and obviously he knows a lot about Tatooine. And also he gives us a nice review of the new book, Star Wars Art Concepts, and talk a little bit about the uh, Star Wars 1313 art that's included in that book, and uh, so much more. So that's where you want to be with us each month as we discover the influences of Star Wars here on Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars Influences. And uh, a a number of you, as we approach the holiday season here we're in the the midst of uh halloween festivities halloween parties and trick-or-treat and all that good stuff but as soon as halloween gets over we are full speed ahead into the gift giving season and we have a gift for you actually coming up this weekend this saturday they're going to go on sale the first ever rebel force radio t-shirts finally yes they're available uh we've been having of course lots of requests for these since we debuted the logo uh, gosh, uh, almost a year ago now. It's pretty. It's getting to be uh, pretty close. That Paul Bateman did for us. It's uh, and I tell you what, it looks fantastic on the T-shirt. They look unbelievable. We'll have all of the details of how you can order on our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash/rebelforceradio, and of course over at the slot, Shot Glass Digital homepage at shotglassdigital.com. Our intrepid photographer, Gilbert Valenzuela, has been hard at work in uh, creating some great images so you know exactly what you're getting. Uh, Jim, you're in possession of the shirts now, so you know the quality uh, of the, the, the transfer. And there's a certain, I mean, Paul definitely gave us a very distressed-looking logo, and it really holds up on the shirts. They, they look almost like vintage 
Yeah, it does. It really has that look, especially when you see them in person. They just look fantastic. It's a shirt I'm very proud to wear. As a matter of fact, I wore it for like four days straight last weekend. <laughs> Every time I walked in a room, Wendy was like, still with the shirt? I'm like, oh, I love it. I love it. It's great. I've, I've wanted to have my own Rebel Force Radio t-shirt for the longest time now, and it's a reality. And this Saturday, you will be able to also own a Rebel Force Radio t-shirt for yourself. And uh, so... Just in advance, I want to thank everyone who has been reaching out to us over the last few months saying, when are these shirts going on sale? I want one. I want one. Well, here's your chance. You're finally going to be able to get it, and you're going to be able to support us here at Rebel Force Radio, too, and help us cover the costs of producing this show. So uh, be sure to be looking out, as Jason says, on our Facebook page and at shotglassdigital.com. All the deets will be there this Saturday. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. You know what I love about the lineup on this week's show? There's no rumors, no casting rumors this week. That doesn't mean that they're not out there. It just means that we're not going to talk about them. You know what rumors really just get under my skin? Uh, Star Wars casting rumors? Yes. (laughs) Yes, but it's when they're... There's an actor out there, a young Hollywood actor, who is doing promotion for whatever project they've just released. And they use it as an opportunity to say, I sure would like to be in a Star Wars movie. Thank you, Sam Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I guess he did open the door on all that, Absolutely, didn't he? yeah. Absolutely. Sam Jackson, by the way, is going to be... Uh, be in episode uh, seven? Well, we don't know that yet, and we're counting on Crazy May showing up at some point in the uh, sequel trilogy. But in the meantime, Sam Jackson is on the set of Barely Lethal, Kyle Newman's next movie. Kyle is directing a movie now called Barely Lethal, and yes, Samuel L. Jackson will be in it working with Kyle. So that's very cool news. That is cool news. Are they ever going to get some work done, or is it just going to be Kyle asking Sam about Star Wars? Oh, yes, there's going to be a lot of that. All but right. you know that Kyle is very professional. Of course he is. Of course Film he director is. on the set, and yeah. he'll be very focused. But you'll know he'll also be distracted by the fact that Mace <laughs> Windu is standing in front Kyle of him. Newman distracted? No, <laughs> not at all. So, well, you know, if yeah. you don't hear from Kyle for the next couple months here on Rebel Force Radio, that's why. That's why. Well, it, he's going to be very to, busy, so. Yeah, and of course, we'll need him back for the, for the, for, 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 Rebels Declassified, when that kicks off this summer. That that kicks off, uh, yeah, I guess it does, doesn't Technically, it? Technically, yeah, and then we'll have a little hiatus before the series starts proper. But uh, well, let's get let's get into this some some news here. This is really exciting. So uh, our friends over at Jedi News they they reported this. Uh, apparently, there was a big uh, licensing show recently over in Europe, and there was a brochure that was handed out by the Disney folks. And they had in it, uh, in this in this piece, some details about sort of the I guess you'd call it, uh, Jim, the, the 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 major events happening in the, within the Star Wars franchise uh, since the acquisition. 
So they've got it broken down by um, various seasons. So if you look at this piece, uh, it begins with autumn, winter 2013 and lists some things that we've already seen. Um, Lego Star Wars, the Yoda Chronicles, episodes two and three. Episode two uh, aired uh, not too long ago and three is uh, upon us, I think, what, in the next few weeks? That's right. As a matter of fact, the trailer was just released this week. That's right. Yeah, there's a trailer out there already for that. So uh, who knows? That might. I don't know if that's going to wrap up the Lego Star Wars saga. Certainly the Yoda Chronicles, but maybe there will be more Yoda Chronicles, or maybe there will be uh, more Lego uh, in in general. But uh, so so that's happening. Also, Angry Birds, uh, Jim, I know you're excited about this, the sequel to the Star Wars Angry Birds game. But I will tell you that it really does seem to be working. The It's bringing a bunch of kids, exposing them to the Star Wars characters that we know and love. I mean, they might be pigs now, but nonetheless, <laughs> still Star Wars, right? So that, that sequel's coming out. The, the Season 5 Blu-ray and DVD release, which we've already had. So most of these things have already happened or are happening um, very soon. The schedule goes on to talk about spring, summer 2014. This is really where it gets interesting. The first thing is a uh, what they call the Choose Your Side cross-company marketing initiative. So I'm assuming that this is probably going to include a lot of the various sub-brands of the Star Wars uh, merchandise empire. But Jim, am I crazy or do I remember a Choose Your Side campaign before? Was it an M&M's campaign? What, what was it? Choose the light side or the dark side? It was some sort of a product. Yeah, was I think uh, I think M and M's did do something like that because they were promoting a dark chocolate. That's right, the dark chocolate M and M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I don't know if they gave you the option dark side or light side. I think it, they were strictly just saying you know dark side in conjunction with this dark chocolate. Really yeah, right. M's. But uh, it sure sounds familiar, Jason. I, I think it's a path marketers have gone down before. It's it's a pretty obvious path to go down if you are a marketer in the first place. So, yeah, right. What does this mean, though? What does it mean? So, so cross company marketing initiative. This could uh, reach into who knows uh, food products, uh, uh, fast food. We, we we really don't know. But spring summer twenty fourteen. Uh, for you, speaking of Lego. The classic Lego games are going to be released on uh, some mobile platforms. So you're going to be able to have these apparently on uh, your, 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 your iPad, your iPhone, um, your, your Kindle, who knows. Uh, you, so it's obviously a, uh, a huge, huge market for video games, these, uh, the mobile devices. So previously you've not been able to get star wars lego for those different uh platforms but that's going to all change according to this spring summer 2014 now the next one really comes at us from left field i do not know what to make of this but we will do our best to make our educated guess according to this schedule spring summer 2014 darth vader themed tv specials what could that possibly mean? Darth Vader themed TV specials. That's a good question, Jason. And uh, some people have been speculating it could be uh, another one of those Lego releases, much like Yoda Chronicles. But they don't, they're not specific about that. When I think of 
themed TV specials, I flash back to the late 70s and the variety show. <laughs> the Brady Bunch variety hour. Uh, yeah. Even, you know, the Muppet show. Donnie um, and Marie. Donnie and Marie. And, of course, Darth Vader did appear on Donnie and Marie back in the late 70s. And really? that's sort of I what I think about. Have we, ever, have we shared that moment before? I, I'm not familiar. I mean, I'm familiar with uh, the Richard Pryor show and uh, the Cantina characters that appeared. But I'm not familiar with the Darth Vader cameo on Donnie and Marie. Well, here's a little taste of it right now. Huh. Oh, look! <laughs> oh! Oh, you made it! Certainly not. That would never work. <laughs> oh, I wish Obi Ben Oki Finoki were here. Yeah, he'd tell us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's a little piece of vintage 70s gold right there, the uh-huh. Donnie Marie variety show. I used to watch it every Friday night. So I don't think they're really talking about variety show here, but uh, I, look, spring, summer 2014, that is a scant eight months away, seven, eight months away, right? Ain't no way that this is some sort of action-packed, live-action TV show or series or special. Uh, we can rule that out because we'd have had rumors of this thing filming. Uh, I, I also have doubts that it's Lego because there, the Lego is mentioned very specifically in this, uh, in this document when it's appropriate. So... Darth Vader-themed TV specials. That is one of the most confusing announcements we've ever heard here in all of our years covering Star Wars. Yeah. What could it be? I don't know. What do you make of this Star Wars digital library scheduled to launch in autumn-winter 2014? That's another interesting one. The digital library launch. Now, I recall... Within the last couple of years, uh, most, if not all, of the Expanded Universe library of, of novels have been released to uh, uh, ebook formats. So that was something that uh, took place fairly recently. So that, when I hear digital library, that's, that's what I think. Um, could it be the Star Wars films themselves? finally being available in a digital format. Yeah, perhaps. that's what I'm that's what I'm betting on right there. Yeah. iTunes. Yeah, click the, on it, the, download the, Star Wars. The digital course. library launch which could include not just the films, it could include the the, the droids, the Ewok specials, it could include uh, uh what else? The, the maybe the Ewok movies. Um so maybe it's the finally the the digitization of all that content that would be, you know, for on demand or purchasing on iTunes or whatever the, whatever the marketplace is. I think that's a fair prediction to make. I don't know if they're going to include the Ewok movies and all that, but I, I think that the the core six films will be released digitally via iTunes or just as online downloads wherever you get films from. Now we do know that uh, that Disney has a deal with Netflix now. A lot of the the Disney films and uh, particularly the television series have started to show up on Netflix. I know this because I watch a lot of Jake and the Neverland Pirates in my house and uh, shows like that. So um, 
that that could be it too. It could be that they're finally making those available on Netflix. So digital library doesn't necessarily mean download to own. It could mean streaming. Um, Jim, or could it be, you know, a lot of this audio and uh, video footage, things that we're seeing, we'll talk about it in a little bit, coming in the uh, the digital versions of the uh, of the making of books. Is, is it perhaps a, a library of that type of content? Well, that would be great. But again, I really think it's going to be the six core films, and, uh, and that's, uh, that's what we'll see being launched first. Yeah. They want to pile on the more the merrier as yeah, far sure. as the Star Wars fans are concerned, especially if we can take it with us. That's something we've wanted for a long time, just the ability to take the films with us, to download them and watch them on our iPhones and, right. and on our iPads and on our laptops. That, that's what would be a, a, the dream uh, as we move more and more into the digital age. And, of course, these uh, announcements coming from Europe also uh, confirm that the plan remains for Star Wars Episode Seven to be released in spring-summer 2015. And uh, that's uh, shooting down rumors we've been hearing about November, December releases. Um, a lot of people are looking at that uh, first Star Trek film and how J.J. Abrams reportedly required the extra six months to work on the film before it was scheduled to release, so they pushed it back. But um, this is, again, the third legitimate indication to us that Star Wars Episode Seven will be released in spring-slash-summer of 2015. Oh, yeah. So there you have it. The other two, of course, was the uh, Star Wars Celebration announcement and the uh, D23 Expo, where Alan Horn went up and said that right. they were right. still going for uh, – I think he specifically said summer 2015. And uh, will we see the May release? Uh, there's been a lot of speculation about that. Um, I would like to just to maintain that consistency with the previous six films being released in May. But the possibility of it coming out later in the summer in June or July is uh, is definitely there. It's definitely there because a lot of people like to point to the fact that the Avengers sequel is also debuting in May. So it might be that the theaters and... Disney and Lucasfilm, they just want to clean the slate and have a wide open playing field for the release of Star Wars Episode 7. All this news comes from, by the way, we I don't know if we said this, but this is uh, the team over at Jedi News. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we, we did. Okay, I, I just want to make we sure gave that them cre- love. credit is due because this was an exclusive. This was a Jedi News exclusive, and uh, they are really on top of it. They have a great source feeding them information. Well, how great the source actually is uh, remains to be seen because we still have to see this stuff come to fruition. But uh, they're getting a lot of things that they are saying is confirmed and official and facts. And this is definitely one that falls under that category because, let's face it, this was put into print and handed out by Disney at the European Brand Licensing Show. So that's fact in my book. That's confirmation in my book. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, wait to see what the uh, pundits have to say about a release date being later in the year following this hard and confirmed fact that the plan is to release it spring slash summer 2015. Now, uh, 
I don't suppose that there's any possibility that the Darth Vader themed TV specials could be some sort of repackaging of Star Wars detours by any chance. No, I don't think there's any chance of that, especially considering Seth Green just talked to IGN's Eric Goldman about Star Wars Detours, which is currently on hiatus. And they talked about the decision being made to postpone release of the show. Kathy Kennedy, when she took over the brand and when they sold it to Disney and had to consider the fact that they were going to make new movies, Mm -hmm. that it's not just the next three years of Star Wars, it's the next 30 years of Star Wars. And we started having that conversation of where do you introduce certain types of media? Mm -hmm. And especially because Detours is a sitcom in the Star Wars universe that's created by George Lucas. It gives it a different point of view and the audience will receive it differently because it comes from him right so the thought was instead of putting detours on the air for the next three years on like nick or xd or one of those places where like three generations of kids would grow up seeing darth vader as this sort of bumbling middle management who with his beleaguered ceo boss they would still they would be able to go into episode seven not thinking about any of those things Oh wow! Now that's a that's a little hint he gave us right there. Is his beleaguered CEO boss? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think he said boss. No K. No K. The K is silent. Um, sorry, uh, bounty hunter fans. Yeah. So no, it's not that. I think he's talking about uh, old palps. But uh, so this is more from Seth Green. More of the same that we've heard from him, and and uh, it, it all it all makes sense. Um, but I, 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 I'm hesitant to use the term hiatus here. Um, I guess a, the, the, the plug was really pulled on this thing. I mean, I don't hiatus. It's, it's, I don't know that you can really claim hiatus here when we've never seen anything other than a, a, a trailer. Yeah, this is true. But Seth himself remains positive and optimistic that it will be released down the road. George Lucas was, you know, right at the end of his, right towards his retirement Mm -hmm. when he was like, I want to have fun. I want to have fun Mm -hmm. in this universe. And that's what we made. Um, I do think there's a time where that show will be released. I just think that media is going to fundamentally change before it. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You look at Netflix, you look at all of these uh, VOD services, all of these downloadable content sites, these places where you buy an entire season of a show. We've got uh, 39 produced episodes you know what I mean? Yeah. That's you could do those in five episode blocks for dollar ninety nine. Ah, so it's out there. We'll get we'll get it at some point. I, I think it'll I think it'll take the movies coming out mm-hmm. before they feel like it's the right time to release this this type of mm-hmm. comedy. Um, but I I also feel like what we made was timeless. So right. I'm still excited to show it. Man, put Seth Green in charge of pricing over at iTunes. Five episodes for a buck ninety nine. <laughs> One twenty two minute episode of Bubble Guppies cost me a dollar ninety nine. Trust me. I know. Well, also, he's not taking inflation into account because if they're going to hold off until the movies are released, we're not going to be seeing detours till the year 2021. So <laughs> I think the prices might go up a little they, bit they, between they, now and then. Well, God knows uh, the prices will be going up, that's for sure. I personally don't think that we're going to have to wait that long, but I do think that this thing is going to be held back until at least the release of Star Wars Episode Seven. Yeah, there definitely seems uh, a – when you hear Seth talk, he always cites Vader. He always cites the, 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 the importance of kids uh, being introduced to Darth Vader in a particular way, uh, the new generation of fans that they're hoping to reach with uh, the sequel films. So that leads me to believe, Jimmy, that 
Darth Vader is going to play some sort of a role in these films. As well he should, because if you're going to call it Episode Seven after the first six films have established the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker, the rise and fall of Darth Vader, it only makes sense to feature him in some way, shape, or form in Episode Seven. Now, you might be listening to Rebel Force Radio saying, okay, well, tell us how that's going to happen. And I'm telling you guys... I am scratching my head along with you. I have no idea how they can conceptually pull this off without it seeming contrived and flawed. But there are master storytellers at work at Lucasfilm, including J.J. Abrams, including Michael Arndt, and they're using an original story treatment by George Lucas who has taken great care in constructing the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. I don't think that they're going into this just like, well, let's just resurrect him. You know, let's just bring him back from the dead. I don't see how that's possible. Let me throw this one at you, though. And fans of the old Dark Horse comic Star Wars Tales have already been along on this ride. The redemption of Anakin Skywalker happens, and he lives. So the only way he can survive is in that suit. And instead of serving the dark side and the emperor, he serves the good guys in the rebellion, or the new republic, whatever you want to call it. He's just on the side of good. He's on the the light side of the force. Could we accept a hero, Darth Vader? Could we accept that? Oh, I, I saw the way the movie ends. One of the greatest film villains in the history of cinema going to the other side. For well, you're a talking about an Infinities here. I'm, well, no, I'm talking about Star Wars Episode Seven. Well, how? How are these wizards of smart going to reanimate Darth Vader and put him in a white suit. Well, who's to say he goes in a white suit? I didn't like well, that whole white suit. Well, there was a white Keep suit. Him in the in black the suit. Keep him in the black suit. Keep him in the black suit. Johnny but, Cash but, was a good guy. He wore lots of black. But he fights on the side of right. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think, uh, I think Vader's story is uh, pretty much done, and it's, it's going to be about Luke and uh, the, the, the next generation, the prequels. Though, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be treated to some sort of Vader story as part of the uh, the standalone films. So maybe that's what is out there. Or maybe it's just the the understanding that the prequel, or the, excuse me, that the sequel films are going to shed, uh, obviously, a, a, a new light on the original trilogy. Kids will be drawn to that. They want Darth Vader to stand as a... Uh, as the iconic villain that he is, as opposed to, as Seth says, the stumbling, bumbling uh, middle management guy uh, working for Bosk. Uh, you know, they, they, they want to be able to establish the character the right way. And let's face it, the, the, the popular culture has in some ways really neutered Darth Vader. Let me throw this scenario at you. Does it involve a white suit? No, no, no. I don't like the white suit. All right, the white suit. 
what I what I would consider is this because mm-hmm. Lucas included this in one of the early drafts of Return of the Jedi. Okay. Obi-Wan and Yoda didn't just return as force ghosts, but they crossed over and they returned as flesh and blood. They fully came back. They fully rose from the dead and they assisted Luke as he fought the emperor at the end of Jedi. Now, what if that concept comes into play? And you have more than just force ghosts. You actually have them completely crossing back over from into the plane of reality as flesh and blood individuals, including Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker. But would he come back in the suit? Or would he come back as Anakin Skywalker, Hayden Christensen, or that, that look? Well, or yeah, he comes up, you know, back as a as a burnt up quadriplegic, right? A potato chip, and he's like, he's like, "What do you mean you burn up my suit? I need it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the possibilities are endless because we are talking about total fiction here, and we are talking about a clean slate moving forward. We have. Absolutely no idea where these sequel films are going to lead us. We knew that the prequels had to adhere to a certain outline, and they had to end up in a certain place. That's right. We have no idea what direction the sequel films could lead us down. And we also know that George Lucas was very fond of recycling ideas that he previously discarded. And that is one of the ideas that Obi-Wan and Yoda returned as flesh and blood individual people in Return of the Jedi. So Hmm. he could, that could come back into play. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right. It could. It could indeed. Um, I would, well, you know, who knows? I was going to say, that doesn't sound all that great to me, but it all depends on how it's done. All depends on how it's done. Um, you're right. Anything is possible in a fictional universe. Plus the fact that you're right. We don't have to resolve this story in any particular or preconceived way. It can resolve, uh, any way that it needs to or wants to. So, um, who knows, who knows what it's about, but, uh, nonetheless, it's going to be a little while till we see star Wars detours. Uh, he was also quick to point out, the distribution method uh, and the distribution methods of, of of content has changed quite a bit just in the short time since they've worked on that series and who knows what it'll what it'll be he pointed to video on demand and a lot of other things so you know that could be something that they're uh, looking at Jimmy we had rumors not that long ago a few weeks ago about a potential app that would be coming out uh, for the Apple devices namely the Apple TV that would be sort of a hub for all kinds of Star Wars uh, video content. Could you know? It's rumored that maybe that's where we'll actually see the season six of the Clone Wars, the bonus content that they continue to call it. Uh, could we also be seeing Detours uh, debut on something like that? Possibly. Who knows? Who knows? But there definitely is sensitivity to how these characters are introduced to the next generation of fans.
So, you know, this next uh, story reminds me a lot of, of, I remember doing a show, Jim, when all the details were finally revealed of the deleted scenes and the bonus uh, footage and content that was coming out with the Star Wars Blu-ray box set. But we're not talking about Star Wars on Blu-ray. We're talking about J.W. Rinsler's amazing, amazing making of Star Wars books. They're coming to, well, actually, they're already available now uh, as ebooks, but a, a different kind of ebook, an enhanced ebook, and they all include considerable bonus audio and video material. And uh, so you, you, you've got a great list here you've put together, and we, we have some highlights that we want to share with you. And I'll tell you, I just downloaded yesterday, as a matter of fact, the making of Star Wars, the enhanced edition for uh, the iPad. And uh, I haven't, I've skimmed through it, but I really am trying to discipline myself to actually read this. So I'm, I'm practicing restraint, though. Your list, Jim, is awfully tempting, and I flipped through it, so now I'm officially spoiled. But I haven't actually seen any of this stuff. Very impressive list of features. Some things we've never seen before. A lot oh, of things lot we've never seen stuff. before. A lot of this stuff has never been seen before. Most of it, most of it, I must say, has not been seen before. A lot of this video is really impressive. Keep in mind that none of these clips are really much longer than two minutes, but it's really you know, all you need to see according to, you know, what these setups are all about here. And uh, it, it ties in with the chapters you're reading. So you sit there, you read a chapter and then you just hit play on the, the video screen and, and boom, you're watching it. So, uh, so old Jim has to step up his technology again, <laughs> dicta- as dictated by the wars. Uh-huh. Uh, I will be picking up an iPad sometime here in the next, uh, Let's just say this winter at some point, because I don't have any of these devices that are compatible with this ebook, and I gotta have it. I gotta have it. Each one of these books has about 30 minutes of rare behind the scenes video and about 20 minutes worth of audio. So, right there, that's worth the price of admission for me. Even though I already own the physical copies of these books, I'm still gonna go back for the ebooks. So I can see these great videos. And I saw Rinsler post something on uh, Twitter, somewhere online, and he said, just checking out the enhanced ebook editions of the making of books and blown away by how much you can zoom in on the images. I'm playing with it right now, and what you can do is you can actually double tap the uh, the images. You can pinch and zoom. You can even, Jim, I mean, it's almost like you've got them sitting on a desk in front of you in hard copy format. You can spin them around. You can, uh, you know, pull them in and out of the, you know, on and off of the page. Um, it's 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 incredible. It's like, it's like I'm holding right now, uh, you know, Ralph McQuarrie's early sketch of Vader. Uh, it's, 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 it's astonishing. It's it's so cool, and uh, I'm actually remembering seeing some of these things and remembering now just how small these sketches actually are. That uh, these these early Ralph McQuarrie sketches. He, uh, if you recall, Jim, seeing those at the at the various celebrations and different events. Oh, absolutely! It's amazing how much detail Ralph was able to put into those those tiny little thumbnails that he would 
he would construct. But Lee, let's get into some of the things that I've highlighted. Yes. Of interest to me in these enhanced ebooks. Uh, one thing I have here is uh, anything that has a scene that contains additional dialogue that we did not see in the finished film or in the Blu-ray is cool. Very cool because we've seen these scenes so many times and it's always really interesting when they go on just a little bit longer. And uh, one scene in particular is, uh, was already released online. Luke and Leia swinging across the Death Star chasm because it includes some additional dialogue right before they do the swing. And that's really cool. And action. Here they come. For luck, we're going to need it. Swing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then another uh, scene that kind of goes on a little longer is uh, Tarkin and Leia in the Death Star, I assume that's the, uh, there was only, there was only one scene with the two of them together, correct? That scene when he destroyed Alderaan. Correct. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Why? I never really thought of it that way. That's the only scene with the two of them together. Interesting. And there was so much animosity between the two of them, you know? It was it's just like you knew these two had such a long history together, and we only see them in one scene. And uh, she refers to Vader's leash. And, you know, she, she reacts to Darth Vader when he confronts her on the rebel blockade runner. Darth Vader. Yeah, you know, it's funny because when you – I've always kind of um, thought it was interesting the way that she reacts to Vader on uh, Cloud City. Uh, there's a moment where she almost hides behind uh, Chewie and she sees Vader standing there. She's very, very – fearful of him but in but in ep4 uh she's practically putting her 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 finger on his chest plate well she i mean she's she says uh she refers to tarkin as holding vader's leash so she's calling vader like a pet like uh some sort of animal that needs to be kept on a leash and this comes after he has tortured her right so it's kind of interesting you know you think that would be the game changer all right, that would kind of knock her down a few pegs once he brings in Dr. Ball for a little interrogation fun time. Right. But uh, no, no, she's, she's still spitting fire there on the bridge of the Death Star. It is in Empire Strikes Back when she displays legitimate fear of the Dark Lord in his presence, which we did not see at all in A New Hope. Very, very cool observation to be made, Jason. And you know what some people have brought up online is the fact that when Vader says to her, you're not on any mercy mission this time, that is a reference to a previous encounter they had when he smack down on her for doing something. He knew she was up to something. She was smuggling something, so he boarded her in, you know, it pro- her ship. I'm, excuse me. He boarded her ship and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a different movie. That was that other one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I got a copy of that, too. I'll make, I'll make, a, I'll make a dub for you. All right. <laughs> but, um, but when, uh, you know, he Let's obviously... Let's do a round table. <laughs> he, he obviously had... Um, an encounter with her before where he suspected her of doing something for the rebellion. And she was able to cover it up by saying, Oh no, no, I'm a mercy mission here. 
because that he brings it up to her again when he confronts her in the rebel blockade runner and and uh he the way he says that to her you know it's there's sort of snarky cynicism behind his voice i was kind of I felt like uh he got burned before like he yeah. fell for it once yeah now like, yeah this is no mercy mission this time fool me once you yeah. know now, what, what I was saying about what some fans are speculating online is there is potential of us actually seeing that Mercy Mission showdown happen in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, well, that could be. I'm not nope. trying to get everyone's hopes Here's up. Out. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm not trying to get everyone's hopes up thinking that you're actually going to see Darth Vader in Rebels. But, you know, when you, when you look at the early scenes of A New Hope... That's what kind of, I think, might establish some things that could be mined for story material for Star Wars Rebels. So, so we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But something that really interests me is Ben dueling with Darth Vader, and there's additional dialogue in that scene. And you know that dialogue, if there's additional dialogue coming from Vader, it'll be, coming, it'll be the voice of David Prowse himself. You know, in that mask. Right. The sickle is not complete. You know, he's very, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I I was just watching a video today uh, where Ken Ralston, the uh, special effects wizard from ILM who worked on the original trilogy, was uh, saying that when when he still watches Star Wars to this day, he's hearing David Prowse's voice under that mask. Because that's how they watch the film so many times while they were working on it. Right, of course. Finding the right voice for Darth Vader was another challenge. And action! Lucas had never intended to use the on-set vocal performance of David Prowse. Start tearing this ship apart piece by piece until you find those tapes. Find the passengers in this vessel. I want them alive! I can still hear David Prowse's accent in the Darth Vader mask, muffled, because he would do the real dialogue. He's trying to curse Carrie Fisher or something. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic... You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away. It was hilarious and terrifying at the same time, because we didn't know what Darth sound like. That was the first time we heard him. We're like, is that it? Is it going to be some Scottish guy, or what is this? It just, you know, uh, Dave Prowse certainly provided a a hulking and intimidating uh, figure, but uh, vocally uh, wasn't quite there. All right, so uh, some other things we've got. Um, we've got some additional dialogue between Luke, Han, and Chewie and the droids in the command office of the Death Star. Uh, probably the whole uh, better her than me scene. Right, right. They call it the command office. I think we've always referred to that room as the control room, the Death Star the control, control room. Yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, they call uh, it the command office. So, and these are all dailies. You know, these are just things that were right. shot, and eventually these were just one take of many. And it just wasn't used for whatever reason, you know. Sometimes the footage is in black and white, um, so you, you never know what you're what, what you're going to get. Um, but uh, Jim, I've really I've done well. I have not I have not skipped ahead, but I think I will tonight. <laughs> I think I will tonight because I, I wasn't. Uh, I just haven't had the chance to you know comb through all this stuff and seeing this list in front of me now. I I feel like I did when I got the the Blu-rays. Like well now I just got to sit down and watch all this stuff. Right. 
But it doesn't end with just the video. There's a bunch of audio stuff, which I know is certainly just as important to you. Yeah, one one in particular is uh, George Lucas directing Sir Alec as they were uh, recording the uh, ADR in London. So it's it's a really controlled environment. They're in a sound studio, and Alec Guinness is in there recording all of his lines, as we, you know, as hardcore film fans know, that most of the dialogue recorded on the set gets thrown away because it's unusable. There's too much room tone. There's carpenters making noise in the background. There's, you know, uh, directors yelling instructions to the actors. You just can't use that audio. Very little of the actual audio from a film set is actually in the final film. So the actors go back into the studio and they redub their lines in a controlled environment. And so they have an outtake here of George Lucas actually providing direction to Alec Guinness. And this kind of rings a bell with me. Someone told us about this particular recording a few years ago. And uh, now we're going to actually be able to hear it for the first time, which is fantastic. And that's just some highlights from A New Hope. We still have two more books and video and audio. It's really incredible. That is correct. So looking at The Empire Strikes Back, we've got some video footage here. How about the uh, in the medical center, uh, The uh, some additional uh, dialogue and different uh, angles between Luke and Leia and Han. So this is probably the whole uh, uh, laugh it up fuzzball I guess you don't know everything about women scene, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, you know. And we've seen parts of this on the Blu-ray. But uh, this is interesting that it has uh, different angles of the uh, action going on and uh, and just uh, fleshing out that scene a little bit more. Um, I think there was, in some of those early takes, a little more passion going on between Luke and Liam. Yeah. And then there's that weird shot of, like, that... that- like mask coming up on Luke or something. Uh, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, they have some sort of bandage on Chuckle his face mask or bandage or something. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. right, right. So, oh, something I didn't highlight here. It's the the very first thing on this list. Boba Fett's first public appearance in the company of Darth Vader at the San Anselmo County Fair parade. Oh, that parade! Oh, yes, mm. I remember. So, there's footage of this. There's actual footage of it. The only thing I've ever seen from that is a newspaper article that had a couple of black and white photos of Boba Fett walking alongside Darth Vader. And this was an actual Lucasfilm sanctioned appearance. Uh, Mm -hmm. San Anselmo, uh, obviously uh, still current home to George Lucas himself. Uh, A mere 20 minute drive from Skywalker ranch, uh, you know, between uh, San Francisco and the ranch itself. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Lucasfilm just wanted to make a, a local presence, and that's where they decided to march out the Boba Fett costume for the very first time. So that'll be kind of interesting to watch. Now, who was it, Jim, it was, who was it that actually was in the costume for the parade? Do you recall? It was, it was one of the ILM guys, I think. Yeah, now that's a good question. That's a good question. Was it, it, wasn't, it wasn't Bert. Uh, who was it? It was somebody like that. It was somebody of, of, of importance. Well, I'll tell you what. I believe that the original prototype armor for Boba Fett that we've seen before in that black and white footage with Ben Burt sort of showing off 
pointing to all the different gadgets on the yeah, actual okay. armor. Okay, that's that, why I'm remembering Ben Burt. Ben Burt was actually in some of the shots. I think that was uh, editor Dwayne Dunham who was wearing the uh, Boba Fett gear at that point. But I don't know who was actually marching in the parade, who was wearing the Darth Vader costume. I'm sure it wasn't Probably David Prowse. I don't think it was David Prowse. <laughs> Might have been. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to look into that a little bit more. Um, speaking of Vader, there's um, additional footage of him hanging out in that meditation chamber. I was always a big fan of those scenes. Darth Vader in the meditation oh, yeah. chamber. There's something just, you know, a, an evil guy hanging out in his evil little claw container. <laughs> well, they kept interrupting him. I don't think he ever got finished. Well, well finished? What was he doing in there? <laughs> I don't want to know. I, I don't know. Um I don't, I, maybe maybe that wasn't a meditation chamber. Maybe that was his bathroom. That was his private bathroom. What is it? He's got like the Sunday paper in there with him. But um, <laughs> that's why he's always so angry when he. Right, was, that's what I'm thinking. You know, he's in there punching a grumpy, and all of a sudden Captain uh, Oz, Ozzel interrupts him. And <laughs> yeah, some sources say that Vader sits in that chamber. Because it's the only place he can remove his helmet. So he goes in there and, you know, applies some aloe or something. And do you think they had aloe aboard the Star Destroyers? <laughs> um, well, you know, they, they might have had some Neosporin, perhaps. Um, I know about uh, aloe vera gel. But, uh, no, I, that was where he could... Sort of, he was trying to, like you say, Jim, some sources say that that was where he was trying to heal himself. That was where he was trying to use the power of the dark side to overcome his uh, his injuries so he could breathe on his own and do things like that. It was like a big iron lung. And uh, but when the when the feelings of of hatred, etc., etc., uh, came back to him, he would start to lose it. I remember the first time I ever saw Vader's meditation chamber, and it was the very original theatrical trailer for Empire Strikes Back. And they showed him in that chamber. And I couldn't, you know, I mean, totally out of context. And it's flying by you so fast, all these images. You're really trying to put it all together like on the car ride home with mom and dad, you know? And I couldn't figure out what that chamber was. I know I saw Vader in it. I couldn't tell if it was a vehicle. I couldn't tell if it was some sort of weird torture device or what it was. But here's, and we're going to talk about Star Wars fans who think they see things that aren't there. We're going to talk about that a lot in this show coming up. But something that, a memory I took out of that was a vision of Chewbacca sitting in the meditation chamber. I could have sworn that not only did they show Vader sitting in that meditation chamber, but Chewbacca was also in there. Now I realized how wrong I was about that after seeing the trailer again and then obviously seeing the film. But, you know, my my 11, 12-year-old mind after seeing that trailer, for some reason, I, I still kind of have that image burned in my mind of seeing Chewbacca sitting in Vader's meditation chamber. Obviously, that sort of recollection was flawed. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, it just goes to show you how, you know, crazy your the, the splinter in your mind's eye can be 
Here, 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 listen to this. Hold on a second. Luke, trust your feelings. Let's try it once more. It's on the. Uh, it's, they're all good on this one. Uh, it can be a little more. Um, um, I don't know the word I can think of is paternal. It's you know Luke. The force. The force is. Uh, what a I mean, kind of like, reminder. Thing. Yeah, it's a little yeah. reminder kind of. Yeah. Let's try. Should I just carry on all that? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Luke, the force is with you. Luke, the force is with you. Let's try a couple of uh, the Luke, the force is with you. I think these are all really good. So this one is if uh, if we go a little bit faster on the force is with you and sort of drop it on the with you so that it goes the force is all with right. you. Okay. So it's just more of a sort of uh, bolstering yep. kind of. Okay. okay. Luke. The force is with you. Luke, the force is with you. I'm fairly sort of ultra, presumably, a little bit. I mean, not to be greatly overheard. Yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah, you were. Yeah, mm. You're fairly close to him. Yeah. You were yeah. right next to him. Yeah. The ship we need will have to make at least twice light speed. The ship we need will have to make at least twice light speed. The ship we need will have to make at least twice light speed. Okay, great. That's good. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that's good. You must learn the ways of the Force if you're to come with me to Alderaan. I can't remember. Did we say Alderaan or Alderaan? Alderaan. Excuse me, can you count a minute? Is this because of a cutting out of the U there, don't you think? Um, you must learn that. No, well, not necessarily, no. Yeah, you I can. don't mind, whatever you want. You must, learn the ways of, you must learn the ways of the Force. If you're to come with me to Alderaan, you must learn the ways of the Force. It's amazing, it's like the being force. there. That is great. That is that really great. Stop. This next one is really... Uh, Really got my uh, mind spinning here because it's the crash landing on Dagobah with additional dialogue. Again, that's the stuff I'm going for here when I'm highlighting things is the stuff with the additional dialogue. Because for some reason, I think this is going to like add more depth to the characters or the situation, you know, things of that nature. You know, it's like reading the novelization of a book. You look for that extra stuff that uh, that you get out of it and everything but i mean it's like what kind of extra dialogue are you going to put into that crash landing is it going to be like holy shit <laughs> i don't know what to, i guess it's just dialogue with r2 or dialogue with himself like you say <laughs> Uh, but uh, you never know. <laughs> you never know what kind of ad libs came out of Mark Hamill there on the set. Some uh, some some stuff that we've not seen, Jim. Uh, include here a the 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 scene when Luke meets Yoda, and it's got the original production sound and the original Frank Oz voice for Yoda. So Frank actually on the set 
doing the Yoda voice and not uh, the ADR work. Well, now, is that what this says? Because it says original Frank Oz voice for Yoda. Now, is it an original voice that Frank Oz came up for for Yoda? Oh, oh, and like maybe he changed it later or something. Or is it Frank's voice? I think it's Frank's voice. Yeah, that's that's what I'm leaning towards. Captured on set. Yeah, that, he's not doing the voice. He's he's just giving you like thirty percent of the performance. Oh, oh, I got you. I got you. What you say? Okay, so it's okay. All right. But what if it was something different? What if it was? Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think there was. Why do I think there was a moment? Maybe was it a Hamill interview where he did break into uh, a Muppet character at one point? Leave it the mark. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, so that's the uh, the Empire video footage that you're going to see. Oh, there's um, so much more, though. I mean, just yeah. just great stuff. I mean, we're just really scratching the surface here. There's some incredible audio. There's some great stuff with uh, Irving Kirshner and Lucas and Mark Hamill talking about the character of Luke and uh, John Williams working on the soundtrack and Ben Burt hard at work. There's so much great stuff in here. In the uh, making of Return of the Jedi uh, on the video side, this is interesting. So there's a there's an alternate version, or at least some uh, alternate dialogue of C-3PO telling the story of the Rebels to the Ewoks. Who knows? Maybe it's uh, less Ewokies or more Ewokies. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what that's about. Also, um, there's some additional dialogue with Jabba negotiating with Luke. Yeah, and this is cool because it sounds directly from the set. So you'll hear the puppeteers doing the voice for Jabba. Right. And there have been clips released in the past, even going way back to the classic creature special that came out around the time of Return of the Jedi where you see footage of the puppeteers voicing Jabba. And to me, me it's always hilarious (laughs) because I think they're speaking in English. Right. And uh, the voice is... Not that intimidating, no. No, no, <laughs> not, not nearly as intimidating as the process voices they come up with. Um, speaking of Jabba, there's additional footage of Leia strangling Jabba. Which I like just because you get to see more footage of Carrie Fisher wearing that metal bikini. Oh, absolutely. And then finally, um, there's, a, there's a scene of Vader picking up the Emperor to throw him down the chute the end of Return of the Jedi, when the Emperor is, uh, in McDiarmid, is rigged with wires. Now, we've heard, and I'm trying to remember whether we've heard, I think we've heard both sides of the story. I think we, we actually talked to Dave Prowse about this because um, nobody was able to, um, is the story that Bob Anderson wasn't able to pick up McDiarmid without the, without the wires, and they finally asked Prowse to do it, and he went in, he grabbed McDiarmid, and he didn't need any help? That's how I recall the story, and Jason, I'm glad you bring this up, because I actually did go looking around a little bit today for some audio to back that up, but uh, obviously I couldn't find anything. Something tells me we heard Ian McDiarmid talk about this at Star Wars Celebration 6, and something tells me... Are you sure we didn't talk to Prowse about this? Because I I thought we followed up with Prowse after we heard McDiarmid tell the story. I'm almost positive we did. I thought we did, too. 
I and he said, no, too. no, no. The story was that, no, you know, he was talking about how strong he was. Uh, you know, I went through that interview, though, and I, uh, really? I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to give myself more time on this one. So, you know, yeah. I won't let it go. Oh, if I know. I, if it, <laughs> I know. If I find the answer, you'll hear it here next week on Rebel Radio. I'm here to validate your your feeling that we've heard both sides of that story. I think we have. I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, also, um, oh, now this is interesting. So we've seen one version of the scene of Luke constructing his lightsaber in the cave on Tatooine. This is apparently... Um, an alternate version of the assembly of the lightsaber by Luke. Yeah, so that sounds cool too. So maybe it it might uh, be without the uh, effect of uh, 3PO mm, right. waiting for him outside the cave because that was superimposed uh, with use of matte paintings and uh, and uh, and uh, by uh, by mixing the images together, they were able to take those two different scenes and put them together. And that was always the plan from the beginning, right? But uh, so you might be seeing uh, maybe additional footage and uh, and stuff with a green screen, you know, insert 3PO here. Right. Oh, how about this? Um, the Ewok Celebration Yub Nub song in English. In English. Yes. Yes. Um, boy, I can't recall if I, if I actually own a copy of this in English or if this will be the first time I'm hearing it. But um, it's... Uh, well, the sheet music had the lyrics, right? I think so. Yeah, the sheet music, I believe, had the, the English lyrics. Oddly enough, I did have a friend who played piano who did have the sheet music. <laughs> I did, I swear to God. It used to make him play it, right? You're like, play the Yub Nub. Yeah, his name was Mike Bond. He played the uh, Yub Nub song on 45 that would just keep repeating over and over again. I think it was the Miko version. Yeah. Drove us crazy with that thing back in 83. <laughs> So, Jim, not too long ago, we started talking about the famous scene of uh, Biggs and Luke talking outside of, uh, of Anchorhead. And I had made the claim that I thought I remembered seeing this in two different places. One, I know that I saw it back in the late 80s, early 90s on a scratchy video playing at a, a sci-fi convention. That they had, and they had their their bootleg videos. I, I have a memory of seeing it then. I also had a memory of it being included on the old Kenner Star Wars movie viewer, and I thought that that might be a place where some of these memories uh, spring from. Because Jim, you said you know people, friends of yours, Star Wars fans that swear to this day that they saw. The big anchorhead scene in the theater in 1977 in a in an alternate cut of Star Wars. Yeah, that's right, Jason. You know, a lot of people have kind of uh, foggy, fuzzy memories of actually sitting in a movie theater and seeing the famous Biggs anchorhead scenes that were eventually cut from the original release of Star Wars. It wasn't until the Blu-ray came out when we actually had it on a disc. It was released in 1998 as part of a CD-ROM series called Behind the Magic. And that was the first and only place it was ever available until the Blu-ray. So a lot of people think that they've seen it screened theatrically. And we received feedback from Rebel Force Radio listeners who 
said they saw it in a movie theater. And one response in particular really jumped out to us. It was posted on our Facebook page by loyal Rebel Force Radio listener Gary Willis. Gary writes, he says, I was one of those who saw that footage in the theaters in 1977. I think it is interesting how so many people have claimed to see the same footage from across the world in the early days of the release, but everyone just disregards us as being kids who saw comics or books that made our brains think that there was additional footage. I'll have you know that I did not have or see any of that material before going into the film. The trailer was the only thing I saw, so it is not possible for me to have made these things up in my mind. The special cut of Star Wars was only in my theater for two weeks, and I had already seen the film six times in that time frame before it was pulled for the shorter print that we have all come to know. When I went in for my seventh viewing, imagine my surprise that they had cut some of my favorite parts out of the film. I'll give you a few things that come straight to mind. Some have been released for public consumption and some have not. The first changes are near the beginning of the film. The Devastator is attacking the Tantive Four, and the droids are going down the hallway. C-3PO is talking to the silver droid that looks like C-3PO. We now know that droid to be U-3PO. The alarm sounds, and U-3PO says something curt to C-3PO and walks off. He says, how rude, and walks down the hall, meeting up with R2-D2. Luke seeing the battle from the evaporator was a little bit different. The only difference was he looked through his binoculars and actually saw the two ships firing at each other. They were small and hard to pick out, but the wedge of the Star Destroyer was clear, and so were the laser blasts. When Vader enters the Tantive Four, there is a stormtrooper to the left who was just standing up from a dead trooper. Originally, we saw that trooper have some emotion, as much as you can see in the uniform, at the loss of a comrade or friend. He squatted down next to the fallen trooper, picked up his body into the sitting position, and then lays him back down, slowly laying his head on the floor, then snapped to attention when Vader walks in. Right before the droids make their getaway in the escape pod, we see the Imperial gunner shooting the escaping pods. As the droids go by, we hear the dialogue about holding their fire as they must have short-circuited. The big scenes are the most well-known at this point. All of those were in the film. Aunt Brew and the blue milk scene in the kitchen. The poor quality speeder scene with C-3PO driving as he searched for R2. Luke and 3PO found him, go out to the speeder, but he just kept going. I can't remember the dialogue anymore. It was brief. Watch the film and you'll hear the music cut. There were extended Tusken Raider scenes with them watching Luke and more Bantha shots. The Jabba scene where he was a human at Docking Bay 94. The shots are now back in the film as the digital Jabba. Vader on the Death Star inspecting the stormtroopers prior to the Falcon arriving. He was next to Chief Bast and did not have his cape on. Han chases the stormtroopers down from a long sub hallway. He is yelling and brandishing his laser pistol. Several troopers break off from the main group down a very short sub hallway. The troopers reach a dead end and are forced to turn and fight. Han stops a few feet from them and assumes a defensive position. The troopers begin to raise their laser guns. Han shoots all three troopers and they fall to the floor. Han continues on after the rest of the troopers. They round a corner and realize they are being chased by one man and not a whole group as they first thought. The reuniting of Biggs and Luke in the Rebel Hangar and the introduction to Red Leader, who says he flew with his father, that scene has been restored without the father line. C-3PO was helping to lift R2-D2 into Luke's X-Wing and had some dialogue I don't recall. There was a scene where Luke was chasing Vader in his X-Wing and taking some shots at Vader after Red Leader is killed. There were several others I don't recall right now. I am sorry for the extended novel here, but this topic always hits a nerve with me. I did not imagine these scenes 
no matter what people say. And that comes from Gary Willis on our Facebook page. So we decided that uh, we had to call in the big guns, the big blasters, to talk about the legacy of Big's Dark Lighter. And that is one Stephen J. Sansweet. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to Steve Sansweet. That just when you think the applause is about to die down, it swells again. Like our <laughs> anticipation always swells when we have Steve Sansweet uh, <laughs> on the line with us. And Steve, you know, I'll let you get a word in edgewise. What are you crazy? Yeah, no, no, not at all. But we do um, actually. You know what? That's not the only appropriate introduction for you. We have another one since we're sort of uh, blood brothers now. Is very appropriate for multiple reasons this week because, of course, it's it's Halloween week here at Rebel Force Radio, and also because you are a member of the Wolf Pack along with us. Very yes, very elite. Yeah. It is. Well, it, it was until they let Bonnie Burton in. Oh, and the, yeah. It hasn't been the same since. <laughs> oh, you're such a misogynist. I, I, I tell you. Uh, yes, no, it's, it's delightful to have some more people in it. And, yeah. uh, we, we, we thank the master, um, Dave Filoni for, uh, inviting us in. And, um, even though I will never forgive him for inviting you guys in first and making me just feel terrible for an entire year. But, well, that was a technicality. You understand <laughs> you couldn't be inducted into the Wolfpack because you were a proper employee of Lucasfilm Limited. And that is forbidden. Full time. Is that the BS story that you were giving? (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to ask Dave uh, precisely. But, Steve, help us out here. I think this is the first where we actually have have a real mission for you here on the program. Uh, Help us out with this history of the mysterious uh, Biggs Darklighter anchorhead scenes. We sent ahead the email uh, so you could take a look at it. There is a fella out there who insists that not only did he see that scene, he saw a whole mess of right. other deleted scenes or what would become deleted scenes in a cut back in theaters in 1977. But let's start with the um, with the with the Biggs scene in Anchorhead. To your knowledge, was that ever part of a theatrical cut for of Star Wars Episode Four? Well, it's more than to my knowledge because I was blessed or cursed to be the first one to ever show that footage in public at San Diego Comic-Con in 1998. I was desperate because I didn't have anything else. Um, And so I raised the question and my boss at the time, you know, sort of, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Ask George. And I sent him a memo to George and, um, and he said, yeah, as long as it, you know, as long as it was just a one-time showing. And, um, and then the guys at, uh, at LucasArts sort of, uh, sort of followed that and said, well, you let him show it. And so then <laughs> a, a sort of degraded version um, was uh, released by LucasArts on the Behind the Magic uh, right. CD-ROM now, I do have to ask, Steve, uh, what, what is that like when you said you sent a note to George? Is it an email? Were you putting, like, emoticons in there? Like, can I show this smiley face? 
the way that for years we worked with George. I mean, he, there's so many requests that he wants to see them in um, memo form. Mm. And so you would, as concisely as possible, um, put your request in, uh, you know, one or two sentences, if, if at all possible, mm-hmm. and um, a little, uh, little check mark thing below, like a yes or a no. <laughs> and sometimes you would just get the check mark, and sometimes you would get a note. And um, and that's the way that George approved things like that. Ah, I see. I see. So like like a Lucasfilm suggestion box. No, not quite, <laughs> because these had to go through his major domo, Jane Bay. And so if Jane thought it was ridiculous, it probably wouldn't even get to George. So oh, it had, really? Oh. That, that was, that, yeah, I mean, it was not everybody that had it was fairly limited access mm. but that was the way to ask george questions like that mm-hmm. you know that, that that he could you know look at right make his decision he liked and, to batch those things do it all, do them all at once yes yeah it would be once a week that george would uh, look at a whole bunch of that stuff uh-huh. and and you said his instructions to you were okay but what was the what was the second half of that you know, it was, it, it, the follow-up was, you know, okay, if it's a one-time thing, I don't have a problem with one, it. That, okay. that, was, that was sort of the, the message that I got back because my boss had talked to him, too. So, so do you was, think his reaction would have been different had that actually ever been released into the public before? I mean... I can assure you, you know, I read the email very closely, mm-hmm. and obviously the guy who wrote it is very convinced that not just once, but several times, he saw a number of scenes, which we have now seen almost all of as deleted scenes, and even before then saw in the comic books, in um, the storybooks, photos from, you know, not just the big scene, but, but other scenes that were cut. There was no other release of Star Wars visually except the one that opened on May 25th, 1977, in 32 theaters in the U.S., where some people have what is not a false memory comes from the sound mix. There were three different sound mixes, and you really have to be very attuned and know exactly what you're, you're looking for, or, or else... Wait a second. I don't remember that. A certain line was changed or left out or added. There was the 70 millimeter mix, which was the mix that was there on opening day. And George was still finishing two other mixes, although I think one of them may have been out at least partially um, on that day. I'm not sure. I don't think every theater had the 70 millimeter on opening day, but there were three mixes, main mixes. There was the 70 millimeter mix. There was the 35 millimeter stereo mix, and there was the 35 millimeter manural mix. And there were slight changes among all three of those sound mixes. And there have, there have been some things online and then Bert has explained some of those differences. And so that's why some people think, well, wait a second, that's, I remember something different. Mm. Ever visually, the big scene 
was never in the print that was screened at the North Point Theater at the beginning of May 1977 when the, the very first test screening when they did the questionnaire for the audience. It was never finished. I mean, that's why it was, you know, when I showed it at Comic-Con, I had to say, okay, you know, we, we sync the sound the best we could. But you have to realize, although the scene was... Close to being finished, it was never finished. It's a little rough. The sound mix is not is not perfect, um, and and to a greater or lesser extent, uh, that's happened to a lot of the deleted scenes. So a lot of the stuff we saw for the very first time on the Blu-ray discs, um, our our film archivist had to go and you know pull dailies and. And get the isolated sound and mix together the, you know, we had to get the sound synced to the visuals because they were separate. Um, these were things that, uh, that were on-set sound and had never been um, um, re-recorded as, as almost all the sound was after the fact for a better quality. Um, and so that's, that's another that's another takeaway on the on the big scene is you you have some problems uh, understanding and hearing mm. some of the lines, and that's because it wasn't redubbed. It just never made it that far in the editorial process. There was one time that the big scene was screened prior to your appearance at Comic-Con, and that was when George himself had a private screening for some friends of a rough cut of A New Hope, guys like Brian De Palma, Jay Cox, Steven Spielberg, and they suggested that the big scene be removed. And George sort of felt that way, too, because from what I understand from uh, Rinsler's making of Star Wars is that George wasn't really too keen on the performances. However, his wife, Marcia, who was working as an editor on the film, was encouraging him to leave these scenes in. But ultimately, they were dropped altogether. So there's there's the one time it was actually screened was for George's friends. And that was a very rough cut, and it was not completed footage and it you know in george's mind it did slow down the movie and he just needed others to sort of tell him that it did so therefore we go to the end and big shows up and there's all this hoo-ha and we're thinking who's that (laughs) that guy right and in the special edition george did add in one more scene in, in you know on yavin four that uh, added a little more of the Biggs backstory, but still, it it made no sense to go back and add in, um, you know, all that exposition in the beginning. Still you know, no love. For, still, still no love for Tank though. <laughs> Tank it, never showed up anywhere. I know. Yeah, Biggs and Tank left. The funny. Pages. What's the, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They did bring him back in the uh, Star Wars Empire comic, Dark Horse. But uh, hey, Steve. Jason seems to remember seeing the big scenes on the old vintage Kenner movie viewer. Was that included even just a little bit on any of those cassettes? And so I, I, uh, hearing that, I uh, went and, and got my old Kenner movie viewer and all of my old Kenner movie, movie viewer tapes. 
And there were, let's see, there were, there was one um, scene that came or the first movie viewer with tape contained the cassette, May the Force Be With You. Well, that could be anything. And in fact, it was. It was very brief excerpts from all over the movie. And I looked at that and no bigs. No bigs. And there were the ones that you could buy separately, and they were Destroy Death Star, Battle in Hyperspace, Assault on Death Star, and Danger at the Cantina. Um, none of those have the big scene either. You know, a lot of my friends grew up with with very vibrant memories, much like our listener Gary, who wrote the email, that they did see these scenes in the theater. And there's a bunch of different things that kind of come into play with this. The thing that I remember the best was the Star Wars storybook done by Scholastic. And that featured a full page of scenes, or I'm sorry, stills, of right. Luke talking to Biggs at Anchorhead. And so you would see that and say, well, what version of the film was that in? I had I had the same I had false memories too. I mean because I thought okay, well I saw it at the Fox lot and then I saw it like a week after it opened and then I saw it about a month or two later and I thought wait a second there's some things that are missing. Mm-hmm. And so I understand how that happens and sometimes you are because everybody says you're wrong. Um, I mean, Gary probably had received a missile firing Boba Fett in the mail, too. Shot <laughs> <laughs> the head off, or he burned it, or he buried it, and the family moved. I mean, I understand that. It's Our minds are amazing. They, yeah. they do amazing things, and there have been some very recent studies because it does affect eyewitness testimony at murder and other kinds of trials about what people absolutely swear under oath that they saw and sometimes it's just not true this and is, so this is like you, star wars mythbusters with steve sansway this is amazing <laughs> it's, absolutely. So it's, it, it's understandable it is absolutely understandable but we know for a fact that the release prints from Fox, what they contained and what they did not contain. And they did not contain any big scene and they did not contain any of the other scenes that Gary remembers seeing. But you know what? What am I going to do? Call Gary a liar? Call him crazy? Oh, no, 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 no. We don't no. wish to disparage Gary or his fond childhood memories. And he is not alone. There are other Rebel Force Radio listeners who reached out to us and insisted they saw the big scenes. I've had personal friends of mine, people who I value their friendship and I value their their Star Wars fandom a great deal. And they insist they saw the big scenes. So I've just decided to try to gather up all this evidence and try to see what added fuel to this this fire, this epidemic of people thinking they've seen these scenes in a print of A New Hope. It is, it is the mind playing a trick as to when they saw it. It's sort of them making their own cut of Star Wars. Absolutely. Therefore, you know, but I'm not going to argue with somebody and say, you're just crazy because they, they, that's not going to change their view. I mean, it's sort yeah. of like arguing politics um, and, and I, or 
religion and you can't win if you have a view opposite of someone that you're talking to. And it just doesn't make sense. I, I'm stating what I know for a fact and that uh, they did not make just one print with the big scene uh, that he saw. And then, you know, they were you know, bogarting him and withdrew it. Um, <laughs> so he'd be the, you know, the one person in the world. <laughs> and therefore, through the rest of his life, he would be traveling the world with a lamp and looking. <laughs> just, I, I, but I love the I love the way you deconstruct the phenomenon because you have, as you said, you have these different audio um, uh, tracks that went with the different um, the different prints, and so that combined with how glued we were to our. Uh, our our scholastic uh, novelizations, the the comic book adaptation, um, the the read along with the record albums, all of that stuff, where some of this additional dialogue and whatnot occurred, it sort of like you said, it sort of created our own fan edit in a sense. It's, it did in in our minds, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just uh, we, we we try to separate that from you know, the, the factual basis. And of course, you know, if you read Jonathan Rinsler's book, the making of star Wars and, you know, just, and the making of empire and now the making of Jedi three, absolutely amazing books. Um, you get into a lot of that stuff. There's no, um, there's, there's no, uh, answering a, a negative that somebody, right. Right. Truth believes it's but it's you know it, it sort of spells things out why this wasn't in there and it doesn't make any there's no room for okay well there was one print that got out there that did have the big march secretly edited it into the print that went to the theater in gary's hometown <laughs> well you know i mean when you think about uh you know, we didn't have home video back then, or it was very, very, very limited. Uh, so we stared at our tops trading cards. We stared at our uh, storybooks. We stared at all that stuff for 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 years to recreate the film in our heads. And so, uh, I, you know, I don't think that there would, you would have a question like this for a film today, because no. the the life is so quick between theatrical yeah. and the, yeah. the, the movie did not come out on video. And it was rental only until 1982. Mm -hmm. And, and um, uh, so, yeah, so w here we were, you know, playing with our action figures, recreating scenes, going back to the theater. But as you said, all of the other stimuli um, w were there to, oh, yeah, I remember that scene um, because we heard it. We read it. We saw photos of it. Um, and we reconstructed it in the movie in our mind. And, you know, that's the mind's eye is uh, is uh, an, an amazing uh, instrument. And we see a lot through that and have a lot of fun because of it. And um, and at least to interesting discussions like this. Right. Well, certainly the silver bullet is the fact that uh, even what we've seen released officially um, isn't isn't close to to cutting it when it comes to putting it next to all of the finished footage. I mean, so it was never completed. So there's nothing to really argue existed because we've seen what exists, and it's certainly not going to sit alongside the rest of the footage. No, I mean it again. 
because it was in a rough in the rough cut along with some other stuff that got cut it was the main thing that got cut from the rough cut but you know well i mean they the the crawl changed there were other things that happened after that um uh screening with george's friends and um you know uh the the film the film underwent some major changes um it was it was pretty much the way it was going to be but all the effects weren't finished and I don't even think the music was finished, if I remember correctly. At that point, there was they were using temp music, um, but um, but it's part of the fun of Star Wars. While the film itself wasn't available on VHS until 1982, something that was available on VHS was the making of Star Wars. And here's another culprit that adds to the legacy of Biggs Darklighter is the fact that there was a sequence, a montage of droid shots, none of them taken from the film, all of them taken from the set. And in one of those droid shots, you see the treadwell with the multiple arm treadwell the yep. white one rolling along through Anchorhead, and you see Luke and Biggs in the background walking. And so I think that might give some people the idea that, hey, maybe, you know, maybe I did see that because that's something that stuck with them going back to yeah. 1978. And that was a TV special. And, um, for, you know, that, that at first, and then it came out on video, as you said. And so that sort of, uh, you know, that, that added to the whole thing. There are all these little pieces here and there and you you just sort of glue them together in your mind and you smooth them out and voila, you've got a movie. And of course, Jason mentioned the Marvel comic adaptation which included the big scenes. The novelization included the big scenes. The radio drama, the very first episode of the Star Wars radio drama included Biggs and Luke at Anchorhead and really recreating the scenes that ended up on the cutting room floor. As a matter of fact, we have a brief little clip of Luke and Biggs right here. Yep, they're still there. I counted two earlier. Here, Biggs, you take the macro. See for yourself. Well, will do. What do you think, Biggs? Yeah, I'm afraid that yeah, that's no battle up there, Luke. <laughs> what? Uh, what? <laughs> what? That is bad. He insisted. I see Luke seeing things that he's yeah, not right. sure if he's seen them or not. So it's it's like you know art imitating life. But uh, what was what year was it when you finally made that public screening at San Diego Comic Con? It was uh, 1998. Okay, so it was right before it was released at that CD-ROM. Uh, I you know I thought it was ninety seven so I'm yeah, having I know, a year prior to that I thought it was like a year before the CD ROM came out but um, uh, I'm I'm trying to refresh my memory and I was looking on Wiki and it said nineteen ninety eight so I'm not a hundred percent sure I because I thought it was uh, it was before that. Well, for the longest time, I mean, it was like the holy grail of missing Star Wars. And because so many of us knew it existed because of the sources that we've mentioned. What was the experience like when you told the crowd what they were going to see? Was it just... It was amazing. It was amazing. And I had to work with the Comic-Con folks because I had promised George that nobody would make copies of it. And back then it was a little easier to do than it would be today. So you can't make promises of that sort at all um 
And so we had extra security and we had people looking for, you know, little red lights and, uh, and things like that. And, you know, I, you know, basically threw myself on the mercy of the crowd and said, I brought you something really cool, but, you know, so help me if this gets out, I'm a dead man. And, uh, <laughs> and it never got out from there. It, oh. No, it didn't. It didn't. We had to wait for that CD-ROM. And I remember the day I got that disc, and I sat there in front of my computer, and I said, finally, I'm going to be able to see these scenes. This is a great moment in Star Wars fandom history. <laughs> and then I watched them, and it was over, and I was just kind of feeling like, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the extended you know, the extended version, I mean, the full scene, it's just like, oh, my God, get on with it already. Let's <laughs> some here. Right. Or, you know, I, in, in retrospect, I wonder if perhaps yes. I'm recalling a Viewmaster still, not the movie master thing. Maybe I'm just remembering was, a Viewmaster there, still. There Star Wars Viewmaster. No, no, no Viewmaster. What, there wasn't a Star Wars Viewmaster? Oh, never. Really? Never. Nope, there is now. Should. There's finally episodes two and three are out on Darth Vader Viewmasters for your. They never released a Viewmaster for Star Wars. Always one of those things that you thought, why? And, you know, I don't know. It's because Kenner, you know, didn't want somebody else to have it. I, who knows? Mm. There was never a Star Wars Viewmaster. God, I couldn't now, have been there, more wrong on that one, could I? Where, um, there were film strips that you pulled through. Um, there were, uh, in other countries, there were those little click things that, that had a permanent, uh, you know, four or five slides in inside, yeah. but there has never been until now. And I don't even know whether it's called Viewmaster cause that's a very specific trademark company, but the, um, but there has never been one of those, uh, Star Wars until now. All right. Well, look, Toys R Us. Let it, let it be known. I was rather surprised when the announcement was made that the special editions were on the horizon and the job of the hut scene was going to be reinserted into a new hope. But the big anchor head scenes weren't. Um, is it just because those scenes themselves would have been really, really difficult to complete, seeing that they were only partially produced? Or is it another reason? Was George really that dissatisfied with the acting? I think George had just made up his mind um, that the scenes were not necessary, that they didn't add anything to the movie, and that they just slowed the action down. And um, and I think he's right. I'm not so sure. It's, you know what the reason and what he felt about the acting. Uh, you know, I know what people have said, but I think it's simply a matter that it that it really slows down the the beginning of the movie quite a bit and. The Jabba scene, you know, I don't know. You can argue about that. There's something he was playing around with. So, uh. <laughs> well, I think that it was very clearly a, a a test almost of how you can incorporate real human being actors with digital uh, characters. Yeah, and- good thing he never followed through with that. <laughs> Right, but you know the the special editions were in a lot of ways kind of a testing ground for the technologies that we would see, obviously in the prequels. So they were indeed, uh, they were indeed just as just as in to some extent the young Indiana Jones Chronicles were a very early testing ground for some of the 
digital manipulation that um, that more and more started to convince George that he had the ability to make um, the prequels the way he wanted to. Uh, it, really, the the special edition started out just as a um, cleanup and release of Star Wars. It was just going to be the the um, 20th anniversary re-release of Star Wars. And when they went to look at what they had as far as the prints and discovered what terrible shape Star Wars was in and how much work would have to be done on it, I think that is sort of what set George off. Well, you know, if I'm going to have to do all of this work to clean it up and to fix things, you know, I might as well make some other fixes and changes that I always was disappointed that I couldn't do. And so that led to Star Wars. And then, well, while we're doing that, why don't we look at Empire and Jedi? And so those, at least initially, were afterthoughts. And then it became, you know, all three of the movies, obviously the, the least amount done to, um, to Empire. And, uh, and then, you know, a, n- a number of changes to, uh, to Jedi, including uh, a... a a brief visual look at episode one, sort of, uh, you know, it was, um, you know, a very interesting way to go. And it just blew Hollywood out of the water. People were astounded at what these movies did at the box office. We'll remember that, uh, they had to push back the opening of Jedi a week or so because star Wars and empire were still running so strong. So, yeah, I remember that. I was so glad that he did that because those, those the release the the special edition releases for me uh, were really really great memories. I I I never got to see Star Wars or Empire in the theater uh, with their initial release, so it was a huge thrill. I was in college at the time, and I was walking my girlfriend, who's now my wife. She'd never seen any of the films, so we would walk across campus and go and and check out. you know th- those movies, and that she got to experience them for the first time herself on the big screen. So it was, it was. I think they should come out every few years. I really do. <laughs> I wish they would bring them out more often. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with you know what Disney's philosophy is. Mm. Uh, certainly, they're making a bunch of new Star Wars movies, but is there room for you know even a brief re-release of um, of some of the older ones? I don't know. You know, and, Steve. Speaking of that, maybe you can you can help uh, fill in some of the the gaps here uh, when it comes to the distribution rights of Episode Four. The, it, are we correct as fans in in thinking or understanding that there is a difference between the distribution rights of Episodes Five and Six versus Four? Are you aware yes. of th- there are? Yes. Okay. And could that? Could that affect uh, home video releases or, um, uh, you know, theater, theatrical re-releases as it relates to the Disney acquisition? You know what? It's, it's, it's a matter of, of copyright control, mm-hmm. and it's a matter of two very big companies that need to talk to each other and work things out. And certainly that is beyond my ken or understanding or <laughs> what. If anything has uh, has been talked about to date, or gotcha. what might be talked about in the future, but yes, there is a difference between Episode Four and all of the rest of the Star Wars movies as far as um, who controls the copyright on it. How about that rough cut? 
that George screened, uh, does it still exist somewhere in the archives? And is that something that he would have been able to hold on to himself, or would he have had to turn that over to Disney in the, the sale? There's a lot of stuff that George kept. Uh, all of that is uh, contractual. I mean, George has kept it, the archives. He's kept all of his posters and his art. Um, he owns all of the physical property. Um, you know, what else is part of that uh, contract? I don't know. Um, it could be anything. Does that rough cut exist? I have never seen it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, when we were looking for, when we started looking for bits and pieces um, for the eventual Blu-ray special, you know, multi-movie box set, um, it's interesting that that specific uh, um, thing never came up. I mean, no one ever said, well, let's look at the rough cut. Um, so whether that is assembled and still exists is um, is something I just don't know. But whatever it would be, it would not be a finished. As I said, I'm pretty sure it was a, a temp music track. And, um, you know, what happened to that um, is a good question. And I do not know the answer to that. And I'm not sure whether that's in, I don't remember whether that's in Jonathan's book or not. You know, you talk about with the, uh respect to the Disney deal, I mean, Disney is certainly uh, not opposed to re-releasing films to the theater. They do it oftentimes to sort of create some uh, buzz for their uh, home video releases. So, for example, with the release of Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King on their Diamond Edition Blu-ray platform, there were brief uh, theatrical re-releases. So maybe that is something that Star Wars may find itself in where it's... uh, ever so often being thrown back up on the big screen to commemorate some sort of special, super fantastic edition. From your lips to Bob Iger's ears. <laughs> that, would be, that would be wonderful. That'd Steve, be wonderful. Steve, is there potential remaining? Is there any hope alive still that we're going to see the original trilogy see a theatrical release in 3D? Well, that's another great question. And, you know... The ownership has changed, and ideas may have changed, and I think everything is on the table, and you know who knows who knows what is going to happen, and a, a, a lot of that depends on what's available. And again, we just talked about the control of um, episode four, so anything's possible. I mean, George at one point said that. He would not release the original uh, theatrical versions of the three movies, and he did on DVD. I mean, I'm happy because these were the the Laserdisc, which were the best available uh, material that Lucasfilm had without spending uh, an enormous amount of money to restore everything. Um, uh, but at least, you know, George George changed his mind and said, okay, this is a bonus. Okay, so there it is. So, you know, I, I think the, the possibilities are endless. I think right now Disney is concentrating on 7, 8, and 9 and the spinoff movies. And, um, you know, and that's where all the attention, all the time, all the effort, all the money is going to now. Um, but I think Disney certainly... 
I wouldn't have spent uh, a little over four billion dollars to to buy Lucasfilm and Star Wars if it didn't plan a huge, unending future for um, the saga that we love so much. Well, we got to the bottom of it. The question came up. Uh, I was uh, Gary was not alone in having mistaken false memory. I also had false. I even invented a whole new piece of merchandise. There never was even a Star Wars Viewmaster for crying out loud. So I was really, uh, really all wet. But anyway, Steve, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and also setting us straight and separating fact from fiction. I love this. Steve Sansweet, Star Wars Mythbuster. It's fantastic. Let's do it, kids. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have, we'll put the challenge out. If you have a Star Wars myth, a Star Wars urban legend that you would like us to look into, please let us know. Show at rebelforceradio.com, and we'll do our best to to get it answered. If we have to go to the tippy top with Steve Sansweet himself, we'll do that. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. I'm not going to wait around for the Empire to draft me into service. The rebellion is spreading, and I want to be on the side I believe in. Yeah, meanwhile, I'm stuck here. You'll get your chance to get off this rock. You're going to the Academy next term, aren't you? Not likely. I had to cancel my application. What for? My uncle needs me. Oh. No, I'm serious. The Sand People have been getting really crazy. They've even raided the outskirts of Anchorhead. Come on, Luke. Your uncle could hold off a whole colony of Sand People with one blaster. I know. But we've got almost enough evaporators to make the place pay off. I have to stay one more season. I can't leave him now. What good's all your uncle's work if the Empire takes it over? You know they've already started to nationalize commerce in the central systems? It won't be long before your uncle's just a tenant, slaving for the greater glory of the Empire. Your source for the force. All right, do you want to take a moment to thank our sponsors this week? DorksideToys.com. That's, remember... Dorkside with an O, DorksideToys.com. What's in stock, what's available for pre-order, and what's on clearance? You can find all of that at DorksideToys.com. Now, here's the thing, Jim, you probably like, is that one of the things that separates Dorkside from a lot of the other e-tailers is that they offer a loose figure alternative for most of the lines. So if you're not really into the packaging and you don't care, you're just going to break them open anyway, why not cut some corners and cut some cost and order the loose figure. I just got a huge, huge package from Dorkside the other day. And talk about loose figures. I did order a few Lucy's from them. Um, I got a Qui-Gon and I got an Anakin. And then I got this Ewok catapult, which is great because it's a Kmart exclusive. And I'll tell you what, I can't find a Kmart to save my life. <laughs> So Dork's, That's what makes it so exclusive. Yeah, right. So Dorkside is there to step up and uh, make it available to people who don't have a Kmart readily at the disposal. And I also like it because I don't have to go to Kmart, even if I could find one. I don't have to spend the time <laughs> driving the one. I don't have to spend the, the, the time off the clock investing and in tracking this stuff down. All I had to do was go to the website and click a couple of clicks, and then boom, it shows up in my house the next day. Mint, not well, not the next day. It shows up in my house, mint, and in perfect condition. 
There you go. With figures starting at just uh, over $4, you got to check them out at dorksidetoys.com. And not only do they have Star Wars, they've also got all your DC, Marvel, Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Walking Dead, G.I. Joe, and a whole lot more. So uh, make sure you check them out. Uh, don't forget about we've got a banner ad available for you to click right on through to Dorkside Toys. So please go to shotglassdigital.com and click on the Dorkside banner and order that way. We sure would appreciate the uh, the support from you, and we certainly appreciate the support from dorksidetoys.com. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Indeed. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. (laughs) All right, Billy D, as always, making the rounds. Was recently at the Texas Comic Con and uh, hitting the publicity trail on with the Fox affiliate 29 there in San Antonio. And uh, Jim, what went down? Well, you know, Jason, sometimes when Billy D rolls into town and you interview him and you ask him a question, sometimes he's playful and energetic. Uh, sometimes he, he might come off as being a little tired and be a little short and curt with his answers. And in other times, he's just so literal, you cannot stand it. And this is one of those one of those cases where he gives an extremely literal answer to the interviewer's question. Uh, aside from doing these events like, like Texas Comic Con, what are you doing right now? Because you, I know you do acting, you do TV, all kinds of different things. What's on your agenda right now? I'm um, still sitting here talking to you. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Great, great answer. So what are you doing in town, Billy D? Well, I'm... Just sitting here talking to you. What you see is what I'm doing. That's exactly Talking to you. Very literal. Very literal, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the guy is making a living answering people's questions. And it's probably getting a little old. And I guess it depends on... Maybe he hasn't had his morning coffee. Who knows? What's going on there? It's probably... At the butt crack of dawn, knowing these, you know, wake up San Antonio kind of shows. Right, right. He took the red eye in. Oh, I'm sure. The eyes were red. Sith red. That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Big thanks to Steve Sansweet for dropping by and letting us, setting us straight on the whole mystery of the Bigs Anchorhead scene and other scenes that people claim to have seen in these early cuts of episode four, A New Hope. Thank you, Steve, so much. Always a pleasure to have you on the program. Also, Dorkside Toys, our sponsor, DorksideToys.com. You can listen to Rebel Force Radio every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
at Sorcerers Radio. That's at srsounds.com. And if you'd like to hang with us, talk Star Wars with us in between shows, lots of ways you can do that. You can email us, show at rebelforceradio.com. You can also drop us a voicemail, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. You can find us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. And that Facebook page, we keep telling you all about it. You've got to check it out. Great conversations going on there all the time. And Jimmy is a posting machine, breaking news oftentimes. So check that out at, at Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. iTunes still one of the best places where you can subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio and the other podcasts found at Shot Glass Digital. Only one rule. Make it good. Make it good indeed. That official website. Or you can find that Dorkside Toys banner at rebelforceradio.com. And it is an ever-expanding universe of programming happening at shotglassdigital.com. Of course, yours truly here, Rebel Force Radio. The newly released Star Wars influences, previous episodes of Star Wars Declassified, Bondcast, Part 1 of Thunderball, available right now. Just released. Also, Snyder Marks Radio, ADH Divas, Blackhawk Talk, and brand new shows joining the network like Fictional Frontiers, Techno Retro Dads, Geek Out Loud, Tron, Decoding the Rift, Backstage with Ron Onesti, and more shows coming soon. Facebook page for that Facebook.com slash Shot Glass Digital. Don't forget about the new. Brand new Rebel Force Radio t-shirts go on sale this weekend. Get them while you can. Limited quantities. All the details at rebelforceradio.com and the Facebook page, facebook.com slash rebelforceradio. That's going to wrap it up. We'll see you guys next time. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Shake the image of you banging on those vibes. Oh, it's a good vibe.